0: This morning, um, as we start, we've been in a series having conversations about the book of James. And I don't know about you, but it's it's been a blessing. Um, it's been a blessing to prepare. It's been a blessing to have conversations with those who have come and shared with you um, each Sunday. It's a con- it was a blessing to study God's Word together and for us to learn and grow together. Uh, it's amazing what happens when you do that, when you get together and you make His Word, when you make the Lord The central focus of what you're doing. It is amazing. And his word is living and active. It's sharper than any two edged sword. The word also tells us that it doesn't return void. You know, as we preach it, as we teach it, as we share it, that it does not return void. And so this morning, as we continue this series, I prepared a handout that I'd like for you to look at. So look at your bulletin. And in your bulletin, you'll see a handout. And in this handout, um, as we've been going through, during our group, during our small group when we did the study of James, we would do what we call HEAR journals, H-E-A-R. And so I'm not going to take the time to read each of these, but basically this is an outline of what that looks like. So it has what each thing you're supposed to do that you're to highlight or read a verse, and a verse is going to jump out. You're going to explain it. You're going to find a way to apply it to your life, and then you're going to find a way to respond to that. So read through these questions. And one of the things I do want to make known is under the explanation, under the explain category, it says, why was this written, and to whom was it originally written? One of the beautiful things about the way we did this particular small group was that we were all studying the book of James, Okay, when I first did this, I was given uh several passages to study and to do an uh, here journal entry off of those you've got to know the background. You've got to know the history. You've got to know who the writer is talking to. And so one of the things that we did in our group, there are five chapters in the book of James, but we actually took about six weeks to go through it because the first week we came together, we kind of outlined what we were going to be doing, and then I said, okay, your homework, if you will, this week, is to go and to find out about the book of James. Who wrote it? Who was it written to? What are some of its themes? And you might say, well, Pastor Chris, how do I... How do I find out those things? Well, a study Bible is helpful. Also, there are apps. There's a particular app that I could show you that has some of that information that's free. And so one of the things that I want to do as a leader in the church world, is I want to empower you. I want you to know about those things that you can get, especially those free resources. So one of the things you need to do before you begin studying a book is to find out those things. So that's why I put two asterisks by that particular category is because some of that explanation you're going to kind of already kind of know. You need to know before you just dive right into a book. And can I also encourage you, too, that right now, personally, I'm reading through the book of Nehemiah. And as I was reading through Nehemiah, there was like one chapter and I'm like, whoa, how am I going to read this chapter? I can't hardly pronounce the names, say the names. And so what am I going to do? And so one of the things I did is I did one entry off of that particular chapter. So the goal with a here journal entry and, and reading and studying the Bible this way is you're basically taking one chapter and you're reading it and you're interacting with it multiple times in a week. You have to set that goal. You know, you might be an overachiever and say, I'm going to do it seven out of seven days. Well, can I encourage you? Really? Some people, it might be two days or three days for me. It's usually four or five so that I have kind of two days break in there, especially as I'm preparing for other messages. But I just want you to know, as you read, you are going to run across some of those chapters that you just, I don't know that you might, that they might not necessarily resonate with you. So That doesn't mean just skip them, you know what I'm saying? But say, okay, God, what do you want me to see in this? And then maybe you advance and you move forward. And so that's what I did. Um, So just want to encourage you by that. Use this. There's two sides or there's two copies of it. So you could fold it in half a couple times, keep folding it and cut it or tear it in half and put one in your Bible and maybe one by your desk. But I will tell you what, and I think everybody who's been up on this stage would tell you as well, it is a very fruitful way study the word of God when you put the word of God before you and you study it intentionally he is going to speak to you amen and so this is one of those ways I have grown more in my walk with the Lord by doing journal entries and by studying his word intentionally and by using this method I believe in it it has changed my heart it has changed my life it has changed the ministry that God has called me to And so I think one of the things, last thing I want to remind you before we kind of continue on with today's teaching is God can use anybody in anything, but sometimes we have to slow down, right? We have to slow down by reading a simple chapter and by looking and saying, okay, God, before I read this chapter, Lord, will you help me to see more clearly? Will you help me to see what I need to see today? Help me to see, speak to me. And when you find that one verse, it's amazing what happens when you just sit down with that one verse or just a portion of that verse. Amen. So sometimes you hear people say, oh, I read my chapter in the Bible today. Okay. Well, good job. Are you doing it to check it off? Are you doing it to commune with your heavenly father? Right. Are you doing it to see his heart? Are you doing it to allow him to transform yours? And so this morning we're going to be in James chapter 4, James chapter 4. And at this time, um, I'm going to invite my friend Jay Bryan to the stage. Jay is going to be our guest this week and share about his here journal entry. Jay, what verses that particular week um, really spoke to you?
1: Uh, We were studying James chapter 4 that week, and I chose verses 7 through 10. So then surrender to God, stand up to the devil, and he will turn and run from you. But make sure you cleanse your life, you sinners, and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. Feel the pain of your sin, be sorrowful and weep. Let your joking around be turned to mourning and your joy into deep humiliation. Be willing to be made low before the Lord and he will exalt you.
0: All right, Jay, one of the things I forgot to ask you before we jumped in this morning, um, as we were just telling the folks as they jump in in their study in a particular chapter, what are some things that you learned about James during the study?
1: Um, I learned that he was the half-brother of Jesus, and he was very wise and spirit-led. He wanted Christians to follow the Scripture. He prayed. He preached love for your fellow man. And he wanted Christians to show Christ's love in their daily walk.
0: Definitely. What some what great reminders of, of what James is trying to say. James was trying to connect our beliefs with our behavior. Right? He was trying to connect our heart. He's trying to connect our heart and our heads. Right? You can have a head knowledge of Christ, but do you have a heart knowledge? And if you have a head knowledge have a heart knowledge, then that should flow through your hands. That should flow through your mouth. That should flow through your actions and how you treat other people. And then as Jay mentioned, Christians should show their walk, um, should show their love in their daily walk with Christ. And that's absolutely right. Um, Jay, as you read these particular verses, which he read from the passion translation, um, Jay, was there one word for you that summed up these verses?
1: purify was the one word that stood out to me
0: hey i also am fortunate that i'm looking at a copy of what you wrote and one of the things that i've tried to tell people every week is that not only are you to write out the verse that you're studying but then you need to interact with it why was it that that spoke to you, right? What are the key words? What are the key phrases? And so, Jay, what were some of the key words or phrases when you wrote out this passage of Scripture that stood out to you?
1: Well, what I got from it is that if you purify, he will sanctify. If you purify your life, he will sanctify your soul.
0: If you you purify... He will sanctify. I don't know about y'all, but God is an awesome God because this morning when we got here, I didn't know what the question of the week is. Thank you, Miss Terry, for putting those in the bulletin each week. But what was that? We talked about this morning about justification and sanctification. We didn't plan that, right? We didn't know. Those just happened to line up. And so we defined that for you earlier this morning, but I want to take a moment and just kind of talk about sanctification. We said this morning that sanctification is, is our gradual growing righteousness. Gradual. Gradual growing righteousness made possible by the Spirit's work in us. Right, It's going to take us yielding to him, but it's his Spirit working in us. It is gradual, friends. And one of the things I want to remind you this morning is sanctification, it's a process. Right, He will never be done with you this side of heaven. You will never be fully sanctified. And so one of the things that you should know this morning before you leave is that everyone else, if they're following the Lord, if they're seeking the Lord, Matthew six thirty three, seek ye first the kingdom of God. If they're seeking the Lord, they're being sanctified. He is making them holy. He is making them righteous. But it is a gradual process. And for those on the other side of you, there should be grace right it is a reminder that we should be grace filled we should be graceful we should extend grace to others is everybody growing like they should with the lord well only you can answer that right we have to continue to walk we have to continue to allow his spirit to speak to us really quick on sanctification it's the act of making a thing, a person, pure and holy. See, it's God's cleansing process to make a person whole and like Jesus. How about that definition? Think about it. That's what the sanctification process is. Jesus is making you whole and he's making you like Jesus. We need his grace, we need him to fill us every day. Amen. Why? Because we leak. There are cracks, there are things in our life that we leak. We need to be filled with his spirit. And sanctification should affect our character and our conduct. And sanctification is God's will that comes through his spirit and truth. So, Jay, you talked about those key words and phrases that stood out. How did you explain this particular verse?
1: Well, I wrote that we should keep our hearts pure and turn away from worldly sins and desires. When we turn to God and are convicted of our sin, we should feel the pain of our sin in our souls. When we joke around and laugh at foolish things at the expense of others, we are sinning. Joy should come from God and not worldly things that we love, lust after.
0: Okay, it's really deep, Jay. That's great. Those are some great thoughts. So, I don't know if I get sick or something, y'all call Jay. <laughs> Give him time to fill out a here journal, and he could preach and teach the word. Um, no, Jay, you talked about. I like this first thing you said, we, sh- we should keep our hearts pure and turn away from worldly sins and desires. When we turn to God and are convicted of our sin, we should feel the pain of our sin in our souls. Wow. When was the last time that you felt the pain of your sin in your soul? And then, Jay, you, you said something very important, and I, I wrote as I had a copy and I was reviewing this for today. You said joy should come from God and not worldly things that we lust after. Amen. Jay, how, how would you apply this particular verse?
1: Well, through God's love and His Holy Spirit, we are convicted of our sins. When we feel the weight of our sins, His Spirit is working in us and we become closer to Him. As we are first convicted and then repent from our sins.
0: Amen. There should be ongoing repentance, right? I mean, that's what repentance is of itself. It's like, you know, when you talk about your salvation, it's not just being sorry, it's repenting. It's getting on your face before the Lord and pouring out your heart and saying, God, I did this. This is wrong. This is sinful. This separates me and you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Repentance. Uh, for those of you that know uh, Miss Linda's grandson, he's at the Citadel, and it's a military term. It's to repent is an about face. It's to see it the way God sees it, and you turn and you turn towards Him and you turn away from sin. That's what repentance is. Jay, we, typically when we do a here journal entry, we uh, write a response. And so, what was your response to this particular verse?
1: my response was a prayer it said lord help me to turn away from my worldly desires and submit to your will in my life draw me closer to you and help me to turn away from sin may all my joy come from you lord amen
0: amen jay what's um your time that you spent in a small group what would you tell others about being in a small group
1: i really love small groups um it's not like a traditional sunday school setting where you have a set curriculum and the teacher reads from it and you and you have some participation in it It's a more informal setting and it allows you allows for more interaction um between the participants you get to see other viewpoints and talk about your life experiences and hear the experience of others experiences of others in the discussion um other people in the group can help you understand questions that you may have through their life experiences so uh i just really enjoy it because there's people that you could that'll help with your accountability and bring things to light that you may not have seen that uh spirit may have revealed something to them that it hasn't yet has not has yet to reveal to you and he'll reveal that to you through them through their life experiences so uh uh, I really enjoy the intimacy in, of a small group set. It just is very fulfilling. Right. Well,
0: thank you so much for sharing with us this morning. So we appreciate you sharing that and um, and sharing what you learned. As Jay's returning to his seat, just want to call out three things in his response, in his prayer that he wrote. Lord, help me to turn away from worldly desires and to submit to your will in my life your will not my will but your will be done he said in his prayer draw closer draw me closer to you what if you simply just prayed that when people say well i don't know what to pray i don't know how to pray it's not being it's not being wordy it's just whatever's on your heart and mind Do you feel like there's a distance between you and God? Right? Do you need him? I do. Most every Sunday before I get up here and preach and teach, I always ask the Lord for clarity. Right? To give me clarity. Most Sundays, Lord, that I wouldn't say anything that wouldn't be pleasing to you. That you would speak through me. That you would get out of me what you've put in me jay said and help me turn away from sin and then he said this he said may all my joy come from the lord what a prayer right stop searching for things horizontally that you can only find vertically stop searching for things horizontally that you can only find vertically this morning is uh, as we continue the way the that we've taught this series is. We have those that participate. We have one more week. Miss um, Tammy will be with us next Sunday, Lord willing. Uh, she's been fighting uh, some head cold stuff pretty much all year long, except for the matter uh, with the exception of about three weeks, maybe that she's felt well. And so, to continue to pray for Miss Tammy. But as we, I'm going to, so part of the series, we've let those that were participants, they shared, and then I would share my observations. I would share my entries as well. And one of the things I want to say this morning is for whatever reason, I, I had an incomplete entry for chapter four, right? Like usually I do multiple entries, but I don't know, I can't remember that particular week. Maybe it was a busy week. Maybe I just didn't get around to doing it. And sometimes that happens. And one of the things I want you to know is don't beat yourself up. Not only are we supposed to extend grace to others, but guys, we have to extend grace to ourselves. Amen. Cause I don't know about you, but when you're trying to establish a new habit, if you're trying to establish something new in your routine, it takes time. It takes effort it takes intentionality. It takes being intentional about it. Because listen, a goal without a plan is just a wish. A goal without a plan is just a wish. And so if your goal is to maybe maybe participate in a small group or to maybe read, begin to hear journal, here to do some hear journal entries, then what are your next steps? Write them out. Okay, well, I want to try to do this three times a week. Okay? So you write that out. When are you going to do it? Well, I'm going to do it, you know, at nighttime. So watching TV for a few minutes, I'm going to spend 15 or 20 minutes with you, Lord. Think those things out. Write them down because you know what? They will bring clarity to that goal. Amen? They will bring clarity to what you're to do. So this week I began to work on completing my journal entry. Um, and I focused on James 4, 1 through 3, which says this, what causes quarrels and fights among you. Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you wrong, you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Wow. That's a long drink of water. Amen. We could sit here for a while and unpack this, but I just want to, I want to call out some of the things that I saw at first verse quarrels and fights, quarrels and fights. Think about that. Why are there fights? Why are there quarrels? Why are there quarrels within the church fights within the church fights within your family in your own house? James tells us, is it not this, that your passions are at war? Look at the word that he chose there. Are at war within you. Your passions. Look at yourself. Your passions. So so what are passions? Well, as you dig to the deep root of this word in its original language, it's lust, it's desires, it's pleasures. And that war within you, Friends, there is there is spiritual conflict. The Bible even tells us that we don't battle against flesh and blood. Principalities, prince of the air. There's a war raging inside of you. Then we're told you desire and do not have, so you murder. Now most of y'all are probably saying, well I hope you're saying, I never murdered anybody. Right, you may not have physically murdered anybody but in first john 3 15 we're told if anyone hates his brother he's a murderer if anyone hates his brother he's a murderer so you might not have physically murdered anybody but have you ever hated anybody has there ever been hate inside of your heart then james is tell tells us you covet it cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. Listen, a couple of the key words here, covet. What does it mean to covet something? It's greedily wanting what belongs to someone else. Greedily wanting what belongs to someone else. It could be things. It could be money. It could be people. It could be Relationships. And this word passions, your passions, your lust, your desires, your pleasure. What's a lust? A lust is a desire that turns bad when it wants something beside what God wills or wants. That's what a lust is. Lust is self-seeking, craving for a person or thing or experience. Lust never satisfies. Lust is a sin of attitude and becomes more serious if it leads to action. Passion, it's emotions, intense driving or overmastering feeling or conviction, an object of desire or of deep interest. I want to pause right there for just a minute. I've been reading a book called Dangerous Calling, confronting the unique challenges of pastoral ministry. It's written to pastors, but it's also written to deacons and elders and anybody else who cares about their pastors and their leadership. And I just want to read. I find it no coincidence that I'm reading this particular book as I'm preaching and teaching on these particular things. I want to remind you that we're all called to ministry. Amen. If you're saved child of God, God has called you to ministry. He might not have called you to get up here and preach and teach. He might not have called you to lead singing, but he's called you to something. Do you know what your purpose is? Do you know why he has uniquely created you? He has an assignment for you. He has He has something he wants you to do. He has impact that he wants you to make on the lives of those around you. And so listen. Listen to a few of these nuggets of wisdom from this book. As we talk about sanctification, as we talk about desires, as we talk about passion and lust and this war raging inside of us, listen to these truths. Not yet have we been fully matured Into the likeness of Christ. Not yet. Is the deceptive war for our hearts over. Not yet have we been fully matured. Into the likeness of Christ. What do we talk about? The sanctification is a process. It's a process. He'll never be done this side of glory. And not yet is the deceptive war. For our own hearts over over there is a war raging inside of you It is those it is those desires it is the covetousness that exists within your own heart listen there is a war that is still taking place for the rulership of our hearts and because there is we all need the warning protective encouraging rebuking growth producing ministry of the body of christ there's a war that is still taking place for the rulership of our hearts. And, and so what Paul David Tripp is saying here is there's a war raging for the rulership of our hearts. And, and we need, and what should the body of Christ be? Listen to these the scriptures that he gives. There should be warning. In the church, when you come to church, there should be warning. There should be a degree of protectiveness. There should be a degree of encouragement, of rebuke. And there should be growth-producing ministry of the body of Christ. Listen, he goes on to say, this: There is not a day when every member of the body of Christ does not need to be taught, helped to identify those remaining artifacts of an un worldview. This is deep stuff, right? We don't believe in an easy believism. I don't. Can you come to faith easily? Yes, it's, it's believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's how we're, be, that we're to believe. But it does not mean that we're going to go through life and we're, everything is going to be akuna matata. Everything is going to be peachy and rosy. Amen? We're, he tells us there will be trouble. There will be trials. But I have overcome the world. Not Chris has overcome the world, but Jesus has overcome the world. Those are just a few things from that book. And one of the things I'm being reminded is, and I hope that maybe one day some of you might read this book, because it's a reminder of who those in leadership are, but also in what they need. Amen? That I am no different than you, except I have a big mouth that is surrendered to God to be used by his glory. Amen? That I want to make much of him. My purpose in life is this, and you'll hear more about this in a few weeks. This is something I wrote recently through some material that I went through. My purpose is to be an authentic leader who invites people into the life-changing, sorry. My purpose is to be an authentic leader who invites people to connect with their God-given purpose And encourage them along their life-changing journey with him. That's my purpose in life. That's who God has created me for in this season. Is to be authentic. And so there are going to be some things that I say from the pulpit. There are going to be some things that I say as I lead. I don't have it all together. But I want to invite you to connect with his purpose in your life. And along the way, God has called me to be a Barnabas. He has called me to be an encourager to those he places in my path. I want to point you to his word. I want to spur you on. I want to challenge you. But I want to remind you that he is a good God. He has brought me through so many things in my life. And I stand before you, I sit before you this morning and testify to that. That he is good. That he is great. Is it easy? (laughs) No, it is not. But thank God that as the further I get along, I look back and I see his hand at work. And y'all, when we enter the journey with him, it should be life changing. Amen. That's how we know people are children of God is if they have a changed life. We will know them by their fruit you will be able to see a changed life, a changed heart, a changed attitude, a changed approach. So listen really quickly. Quarrels and fights happen because we don't get our way. We want and cannot have, so we push back, we bow up, we blow up. Eugene Patterson said it this way, you want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. Can I, can I invite you to lean in this morning? Can I, can I invite you that when you see a response to something that's going on in the church, and those around you, can I invite you to just maybe pause and ask yourself, why are they acting this way? When you see a reaction that surprises you, why are they acting this way? What happened That I'm not seeing. Can I also remind you this morning that just because someone asks questions. Doesn't mean they're questioning you. Can I also remind you. As your pastor. As your friend. The problem. Is not always other people. The problem is not always other people. You know, as you sit down and you talk with people and you begin to listen to their story, listen listen for what's not being said. Some people, and I've, I've seen them in my ministry and in my life, it's always somebody else's fault. My grandfather wrote in one of his Bibles, he said a man never fails until he blames someone else. I wrote recently in my journal, when did he write that? Why did he write that? Where did that come from? So the application to this is, is it wrong to be passionate? No. But can I invite you to check your heart, check your motives, and to ask yourself, why do I want this? Why do I want this? Whatever it is in your life. He's saying there's a war raging inside of you. You have and can't get. I love how he says that you do not have because you do not ask. You don't have because you don't ask, ask God for it. But then he didn't wait long. He says, but you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. Sometimes when God doesn't answer our prayers, That might not be the best thing for your life. Amen. Yes. No. I've got a better plan. Be patient. Have you ever hated someone because they had something you didn't? My response to this verse was help me to find joy, not in my pleasures, but in you. I hope you've seen through this series that we've been through on the book of James that God's word is really awesome. It is full of treasures. And when we look into it, we see how imperfect we really are and how much we need grace, how much we stand in need of redemption, of who we were, of who he's making us to be who he wants us to be. And I don't know about you, but he's still sanctifying me. He's still working in my life. He's still putting his fingers on things. And I'm like, ah, that's painful. Why'd you have to point that out? God? No, I don't want to give that up. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to talk to that person. Seek him.